This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. People heard this. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Well, as you know, I went to Chicago for the midwinter conference of the Covenant Church And it was wonderful, uh, renewing old acquaintances and making new acquaintances. But this is the first time that I've been outside. Pretty good, huh? Yeah, okay. First time that I've been outside since we've come to Alaska. And let me tell you what I've discovered. When people ask you where you're from, and you tell them, Alaska, it's like instant celebrity. I mean, they look at you or looked at me like I was a, a, a crocodile Dundee or something, right? They're all, wow, you're from Alaska. Uh, one young man that was a server at a restaurant actually said, I've always wanted to meet someone from Alaska. Can I shake your hand? <laughs> Unbelievable. Now, I don't know what people think in the lower 48 about us. But I'll tell you, we need to use the celebrity, right, to our advantage. Um, Some of you have uh, been involved in uh, the first week of our study. We're doing the Celtic way of evangelism and studying how Patrick evangelized Ireland and the the Celtic people who lived there. And the the whole idea was that, that the Irish at that time were considered to be barbarians, can you imagine an Irishman and, and barbarian? How does, that, how does that fit together? Uh-huh. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. I, I, I understand what it's like to, to be a barbarian. Uh, when Lori met me, I was a barbarian. In fact, I, I don't know what she saw in me. Uh, she must have seen potential, a diamond in a rough, a hunk of coal that she knew under relational pressure <laughs> would begin to shine and turn into a diamond. But I was truly a barbarian. Let me, let me explain what I'm talking about. Uh, my mother died in 1978. It was the Christmas uh, before she died. That would have been 1977. Uh, she bought me some underwear. 
And uh, we were engaged to be married in 1983. We got married in 1984. Right up until a few months before the uh, marriage, uh, I was still wearing the underwear that my mother had bought me back in 1977. Right? Holy underwear. Okay? Uh, I slept on a mattress without sheets, and I had a, a comforter that I slept with. I mean, who has time to make a bed? What do you need sheets for? And my closet was adorned with polyester leisure suits of all different colors and types and kinds and polyester shirts uh, without button-down collars, you know, those big, wide, pointy, 1970s-style shirt collars. And uh, shortly before we were married, Lori showed up at my apartment where I live with two other single guys. And she went into my bedroom and she opened the drawers and she removed all of the underwear. She went into the closet and, and she said, don't you know that polyester is extinct? <laughs> and she removed all the polyester. And she took me to this very nice department store in Pasadena, California, near where we lived. And she bought me a whole new wardrobe. And I like to say that is the beginning of becoming civilized. I had an extreme makeover. And so if you ever see pictures of me, ever look at me, there's a, there's a definite point in time. It's BL and AL. It's before Lori and after Lori. Okay? And yes, I know you've probably noticed your pastor does wear pink. Okay? That's part of after Lori. She says it looks good with my flesh tone, my tan, right? So still, right, uh, I've been domesticated to a barbarian edge taken off of me. So what we're talking about is an extreme makeover externally. And uh, I have Lori to thank for that. But in our scripture today, in our passage today, we're going to be looking about the topic of extreme makeover. But rather than externally, it is an internal extreme makeover. It's a makeover that takes place when the Holy Spirit of God comes down upon people. And He changes them from the inside out. Now we know that... um, when the prophet Samuel uh, was looking for the next king of Israel and Jesse prayed at all of his sons in front of him. I mean, there were some pretty good looking, pretty strong. I mean, people that you or I would think that's the next king. And of course, when everybody had been prayed by, he says, is there anybody else? Well, yeah, I do have this one son, you know, his name's David and, and, and he's out tending the sheep, right? Well, bring him in. And of course, we know that Davis, David was God's selection to be king. And you remember the passage, don't you? That man looks at outward appearance, but God looks where? At the heart. And the wonderful news I have for you today is this. When the Holy Spirit of God indwells a person, when a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, and, and they are indwelled with the Holy Spirit, as a seal that they belong to God, and as a down payment of all that is to come. When that happens, the Holy Spirit does an extreme makeover in our lives. He changes us from the inside out. That's all part of God's plan to do two things in your life. 
to develop character and to give you competency, spiritual character, that you might live in the world and be a representative of Christ Jesus, that they may look in your life and see your life, see how you live, how you relate, how you respond to situations, and to say, that's different. There's something different about that man or woman. Because you begin to reflect the character of Jesus Christ. You have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, long-suffering. Those things begin to fill your life in a noticeable way. Character. And then competence. Each of us has been given by the Spirit gifts, spiritual gifts, to, to complement our, our core competencies, our natural abilities and our talents, which, by the way, are given to us by God. There isn't anything that you do in life that you can claim success for. Do you know that? Because you were created by God, for God, for His purposes. And, and the person you are, your temperament, your corresponding gifts, your abilities, your talents, your strengths, all of those things aren't an accident. It's by design that God's given them to you. Why? Because under the influence of the Holy Spirit, they become competencies in your life. So you have character that you begin to conform more and more to the image of Christ Jesus as the Holy Spirit works from the inside out. And as He works from the inside out, you have this core set of gifts and abilities and strengths that under the power of the Holy Spirit is released and they become spiritual competencies that you use for the sake of the kingdom of God. Woo, that's good stuff, isn't it? Man, I'll tell you what. Now, I'm just not talking about people who lived 2,000 years ago. I'm talking about you and I here at Community Covenant. And why? Do you remember what Jesus said to His disciples? I'm going to leave, and I'm going to bring you an advocate. And unless I leave, the advocate won't come. And why? Because you are going to do even greater works than I. Now, the interesting thing about our passage today is this. We look here, and and after Peter's great sermon, and after the people are stirred and called to response, what must we do? He says, repent to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's Acts 2.38. Those are powerful words. As we we read on, it says that those who accepted this message, Acts 2.41, were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 in one day. And you're thinking, oh my goodness. That's startling. That's amazing. Imagine if God were to do that today in our day and age. Can you imagine an Eagle River? 3,000 people one day coming to faith in Jesus Christ, lining up out here in the church lobby because they want to be baptized. Wow. You're saying, boy, wouldn't that be wonderful if that could happen today? Well, I've got news for you. It does. Leif Anderson, in a, in a recent presentation about the, the, the state of the church and evangelism in the world began to count out in different countries, 20,000 in China and, and, and another several thousand here and another several thousand there. And he took all the people that are coming to the Lord right now in our day and age, in this time. 
You know how many it amounts to? When you take all the numbers and you divide it by days and hours? 3,000 people, not in one day, but 3,000 people in one hour are coming to the Lord worldwide. Those numbers are six over 60,000 a day. So you think this stuff here in Acts chapter 2 is amazing and miraculous. Let me tell you, Jesus is alive. And the Holy Spirit is at work. And people are coming to faith. They're becoming Christ followers at a clip of 3,000 an hour in the world that we live in. Startling, isn't it? Because we look around and in our context in, in Eagle River, Alaska, or we think about what's going on in, in the lower 48 or in the western United States, and we say the church is in decline. I've got news for you. The church is not in decline. The church is advancing. God is at work. The power of the Holy Spirit is transforming lives. People's character is changing. Their competencies are being used. The message of the gospel is being sent out, and people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Wow! Yes, that deserves a hand clap. (laughs) Uh, It's an amazing thing. But here's the challenge. What's happening in our world? What's happening in Eagle River, Alaska? What's happening at Community Covenant? I've got to tell you something. I am anticipating a move of God in our congregation in this time, in this place that is in concert with and corresponds to all of His work around the world. I really believe that. Uh, I believe that, that for all these years that God has been at work here and all the wonderful things He's done in this wonderful congregation with a wonderful legacy and narrative that you and I are a part of, I believe that God has been laying a foundation, has been working in you and me. He's bringing the right people from the right places. You're not here by an accident because God intends to do something. In this day and age, here in Eagle River, that will astound, that will leave people in awe. I believe that. I I truly do. And I feel that and I sense that. The Scripture attests to that. And what's going on in our world today attests to the reality of Scripture. It's true in your life. It's true in my life. It's the same God, the, the same Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit transforms us from the inside out, produces character and confidence. Confidence. And all through this passage, you see that. You see it in Peter. You see it in the crowds that he evangelizes and then ultimately respond to the message of the gospel. And then you see it as all those gather in a faith community. Let me show you. Let's take Peter, for example. Let's look at his extreme makeover. The work of the Holy Spirit in his life to produce that, that, that character and that competence. Peter's makeover. All we have to do is look back at Luke 22, verses 54 through 60, something I know that Peter was painfully aware of. Jesus was arrested, and the Scripture says, Then seizing him, they led Jesus away. And they took him to the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. Have you ever followed Jesus at a distance? I have. I have. (laughs) And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down with them. 
A servant girl saw him seated in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, Ha, this man was with him, but he denied it. Peter says, Woman, I don't know him. A little later else, someone saw him and said, You're one of them. Peter says, Man, I'm not. An hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. By the way, Galileans were considered the, the barbarians of Judaism. They stood out wherever they went. Oh, you're a Galilean. Can anything good come from there? So certainly he must have been with him, for he's a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, of course, the rooster crowed in fulfillment of what Jesus had told him. That's Peter before Pentecost. That's Peter before what? The great coming of the Spirit, the indwelling of the Spirit, releasing and unleasing the power of God through a people that we know as the church. But let's look at him afterwards. Pastor Erica went over it last week. We did the great evangelistic sermon. Peter, the one who, who fled because he didn't want to be identified with Christ, is now the one who is what? Standing boldly in front of those who persecuted Christ, who sent him to the cross, who are responsible for his death. Well, ostensibly anyway. And now he's standing in front of him. And look what he does in Acts 2, 22 through 24. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, the man accredited by God to you by miracles, by wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you know yourselves. Hmm. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. Wow. But God raised him from the dead, freed him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. We look at Peter, the one who fled, the one who followed Jesus from a distance, the one who is accredited with cowardice, and now we say great boldness and great courage. And we see that, that inner transformation that takes place. Character. Incompetence. Peter before and after. And, and in Peter's message, we see an outline for, for all evangelistic messages. Jesus, the historical person. Jesus crucified. Jesus raised from the dead. And in this context, he corresponds it to the Old Testament prophecies because he's speaking to a Jewish audience. And the gospel is made relevant and contextual to the audience in which it's presented. We do that today, don't we? He's the promised Messiah. And of course, in the new covenant that Jesus establishes, how do we enter in? Through what? Repentance and faith. Repentance is a term. It really has a, a term in the military. Those of you that are in the military, you'll relate to this. It literally means to do an about face. An about face. And that's what he's calling them to. Peter transformed an extreme makeover from the inside out. And then we look at the crowd's makeover. They went from, from condemning Jesus to converting to faith in Him. Luke 23, 20 through 23. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again. This is the crowd. And, and many of the pilgrims at Pentecost 
were present for the Feast of Passover. So many of them would have been in the crowd. They would have been active participants with the events leading up to Jesus' death. And so Pilate appealed to them again. But they were kept shouting, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! For the third time He spoke to them, Why, this man has committed no crime. I found in him no grounds for death penalty. Therefore, I'll have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified and their shouts prevailed. That's the crowd. Now here we are at Pentecost. Acts 2, 36-38 and verse 41. Peter says these words to them, Therefore, that's in light of his sermon, his evangelistic message, let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. The conviction of the Holy Spirit at work in them. What are they going to do? They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those who accepted this message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. There's power in the Word of God. Do you know that? There's power in the Word of God. The Word of God convicts. The Word of God challenges. The Word of God calls us to respond. Just as it called this group to respond. You, you can't encounter God's Word and not be changed, not be challenged, not be convicted. And in this great, great message, the people were challenged. They were cut to the heart. There's a story of an elderly woman. And she was woken up one morning with a noise in her kitchen area. And so in the darkness of the early morning hours, she, she goes there. And she sees the figure, a darkened figure of a man. who was a, a burglar who had, who had broken in. And, and all she could do, all she could think of at that moment was Acts 2.38. And she yells out, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And all of a sudden, that, that figure freezes in the darkness of that early morning and turns and, and begins to run out the door. She picks up the phone and she calls the police and she's just relieved the man's gone and thinking he's long gone by the police get there. And yet when the police arrive, there is a man standing outside of her house, frozen, just waiting for the police to arrive. And so what are you doing here? I don't understand. You broke into this lady's house and... And rather than fleeing, you're standing here frozen and then you're, 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 you're making it easy for us to arrest you. And the lady says, the man says, are you crazy? Do you know about that lady? She has an axe and two thirty-eights. <laughs> axe two thirty-eight. It's a powerful, powerful message. Now, let me share with you something. You liked it, didn't you? <laughs> All right. I've been waiting almost three months to share that one with you. <laughs> but let me share something with you here. There was a transformation that took place in Peter's life. 
where he was able to give the message, but then he calls these people out. Now, this is really interesting. Those of you that come and you want that nugget, you know, I haven't heard this before, I wasn't aware. Maybe this is one for you. Peter was talking to a Jewish audience. And and in the Jewish faith, those who were baptized were typically converts from Judaism. They were pagans. And to come into Judaism, they'd have to go through a baptismal rite of cleansing and purification. And so now he's talking to Jews. And he's saying, you need to be baptized. And that would have been insulting to them. What what do you mean I need to be baptized? But what he's doing is he's calling them out to a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ. An identity no longer solely with, with, with their Jewish traditions and customs, but to Jesus Christ identifying with him as Lord and Messiah. He's not letting them off the hook. Essentially, he's saying, listen, you want what I have? You want what you saw in the 120 that caused you to question what's going on here? I'll tell you how to get it, but to do it, you have to what? Step forward, and you have to make a public proclamation. It wasn't easy for me. It's not going to be easy for you either. You want the power of the Holy Spirit? Repent. Be baptized for the forgiveness of sin, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, in the Bible, we see, we, we see people coming to faith, repentance and baptism together. Because then they didn't wait a month or two months or a year or whatever. They, they were synonymous. A person came to faith, they were baptized immediately. It's not that baptism saved them, but, but, but the acts were, were so close together that it's, we'll repent and be baptized. Right? Now you're saying, how in the world did 3,000 people be baptized in one day? That presents a problem, doesn't it? Well, I'm glad you asked. You see, where they were, they were in the Temple Mount. And in the temple, in that area, there were, there were pools of water that were there for various rituals and purification rites. So I, I want you to imagine these people, these 3,000 of the crowd who come to faith, they want to be baptized. All over that area, there are people going to these various pools and little bodies of water, and, and there's these baptisms going on everywhere. Wow, it's no longer a covert, kind of secret little following of Jesus. I mean, people are coming out and they're being called out to identify with Him. And so what do we see happens? We see the, the faith communities make over from, from being something that it's covert to something very conspicuous. It's obvious. People are seeing it. And we see the extreme makeover, John 20, 19 through 20. On that evening of the first week after Jesus, right, was resurrected, the disciples were together, and where were they? Their doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. They were scared to death. And we go from that to the extreme makeover in Acts 2, 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor with all the people. Because this was a radical reorientation of life. And people noticed it. And the Lord added to the number daily 
those who were being saved. They had a shared experience of faith, of love, of joy, of unity. Isn't that great? And you're saying, that's wonderful. And you may be saying, I'm so glad the church is here for me. But guess what? It's not here for you. Because all this was to equip them. That was all about building character and the competency for them to go into the world to the places where they work, to the places where they live, to their relationships, to live a transformed life, to display the power of God in them and through them. You see, when I was a little boy, I was taught this. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the door, right? Here it is. Open the door, and there's all the people, right? Open the door, and there's all the people. Well, I understand that, but that doesn't fly with this. It's not here's the church, here's the steeple, open the door, and here's all the people. Here's the church, here's the steeple, and open the door, and the people are gone. Why? Because they're out in the world living dynamic lifestyle. And the power of the Holy Spirit in their workplace, in their home, in their neighborhood, at the Little League, at the Little League Park, wherever they find themselves, ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within them. That's what's happening all over the world. And that's what's happening here. And I believe it's going to happen more and more and more and more. But I want to show you a video that what we're not to be. God doesn't gather us here for this purpose. Let's watch. Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I have a busy work week, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I'm tired. So how about a church service that starts when I get there? Can do. When you arrive, we begin. This guy, he plays by his own rules. We want to find a church where if he starts screaming, we're not the bad guys. Say no more. If your baby's screaming, you stay seated. The others around you can leave. You know, financially, Sherry and I don't give a lot to the church, but we'd sure like to know who does. All right, if you join now, you'll know what every person gives in detail. When I'm in the church service, can my car get a buff and a wax? Not just that, but an oil change and a tune-up. Hey, how about tickets to the Super Bowl? That's asking too much. I'm serious. If I'm going to join, I want tickets to the big game. All right, you join now and we'll get you there. I like a pony. Look in your backyard. Me Church, where it's all about you. You know what? This isn't me, church. This is Jesus, church. And it's not about us. It's about Him. And if we are going to go into the world, we need to be connected. We need to be equipped, just as we see here in Acts 2, 42 through 47. And I am so grateful that at our church, we have a connecting ministry. And my challenge to you today is this, as Teresa comes up, Are you equipped? Are you ready? How's your character? How's your competency? Our church is committed to equipping you, to helping you be ready to move wherever God would send you. And our connection ministry is a part of that. Because it's not me, church. It's His church, and He's sending us into a world that desperately needs the hope that only Jesus can give. And so, Teresa, I want to ask you a couple questions. Number one, you've been a a connector now for two years. What keeps you coming back as a connector? You know, this is the easiest thing for me to do in serving this church is standing out there after the service and saying hello 
and wanting to welcome people uh, and with an open heart, see what they need from our church, see where we can serve them. And it's so rewarding to be the front line where they, they want to know, who are you? And what positive results have you seen through the Connecting Ministry? Every time I look out and see people that I've connected with who are coming back, I'm like, Phew. you know, I'm so glad I didn't blow it. Um, but I think, you know, God is bringing them back. He's allowing me to connect with them. I'm making new friends. I've had opportunity to pray with a woman and bring her to Christ and let her find a church home. Um, but I see families who are here that blesses me that, you know, they came and talked to me and wanted to find out what we have for them. And and I was able to tell them where they can fit in, where we will fill their needs. And they keep coming back. And it fills up the seats with people who love Jesus and want to hear more. It's really cool. Amen. So this morning, as the Holy Spirit is prompting you, as you're aware, he's working on character and confidence. Our church wants to join in that work, wants to help you get connected in a class, in a small group, in a mentoring relationship. However, the Lord would lead you to connect in our church. This morning would be a great time to step forward and make that commitment. Maybe you want to be a connector like Teresa and help people take that step. But whatever it might be, this morning after service there in the uh, in the lobby of the church, we have the connecting table. If you want to learn how you can be a connector like Teresa, please go. Or if you just want to learn how to connect, because you want to be ready to go. Because this isn't me, church. This is the Lord's church, and He's sending us out there. I'd encourage you to do that. Thank you so much, Teresa. Thank you. And as the worship team comes forward now, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. That through your spirit, you develop character and competence to live victorious lives for you. Lives that make a difference in the world. And Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you are sending us into our world to live for Jesus. That others may know the joy of our salvation. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.